Welcome back to Becoming the Best Self. I'm your host, Jess, and on this podcast, I just try to help you find ways to be a little bit less shitty and ultimately become your absolute best self, whether that is through sharing other people's journeys, my own, I don't know, thoughts and realizations, or even my own sad stories that you can pull the light out of and shine within your light. But on today's podcast episode, I had a dear friend join me to share a little bit about his journey of finding more of the feminine inside of his masculine and leaning into it, as well as becoming an expert copywriter and super freaking successful, might I add. So today we have Yogev Almag, who is a wonderful friend, a marketing consultant, copywriting expert, and digital wordsmith. And also just a freaking magical human. I'm so honored to be able to share him with you guys, even though I kind of want to keep him all to myself. But without further ado, here's Yogev. So Yogev and I met six months ago, almost now. I think five, four. So oh, I'm good at math. We met in like July. July. Yeah. July. Yeah. So um, we met in a big friend group and kind of connected right away and then talked a little bit after. But then at the last friends party that we had, um, we just kind of really connected more and dove more in on each other's stories a little bit. And I actually think my husband knows more about you than I do, which I'm not happy about. I don't like that, which is why I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So more now. Um, But yeah, so I wanted to come on and talk with him. He is insanely brilliant and an insane copywriter. So freaking impressive. And I just want to hear his story. And I thought it would be fun to share with everybody because he's a wonderful storyteller as well. So in the realm of dating and self-development and even some business tips probably here is your guy thank you so much for that introduction i really appreciate it uh yeah so my my personal development story did not really start how everyone else's personal development story happens uh i was it was pretty tame at first so i my last year of college probably my my senior year and everything and I just like started buying courses. Like I I started to invest in dating courses. Now I didn't generally have an issue speaking to women. Like it wasn't like a, I was completely just like blocked off or anything. I'd I'd always been fairly, for lack of a better way of saying it, fairly charismatic, super talkative. Like that that stuff always has come very naturally to me. But I had noticed uh, when I was engaging with people and I was trying to create conversation. It was easier with some and it was way more difficult with others, easier with people that I was less interested in and more and and a lot more difficult for me with people who I was like intimidated in Um, or I felt that there was some level of intimidation like they're they're too good for me or like I'm putting placing placing a narrative on it that I may not have been true. So I actually sought out like a handful of dating courses and it was like what I had gathered from it was not like step-by-step of like, here's how to say this thing to get this part of the conversation going to then talk about this flirty thing and then to do this and to do that. I actually was using it as like a, like a benchmark of like, okay, well, how am I communicating with people in this way? And then how do I actually reverse engineer that and then put it into like a different context? So in a way that I'm not as comfortable with, because when you have like a formula or you have some level of, uh, of, of a framework, you, it's a lot easier to start 
picking around and choosing, oh, let me try this, let me try that. So I started in like, it, it really started with like, okay, how do I, how do I attract women that I'm more interested in? And then quick question for context, how old are you now? So I'm 27 right now. And how old were you your senior year of college? Went to, so I went to a five-year school. So I was 22 turning 23. So this is still a very like short span of expansion oh. in your, in your life. Yeah. So the past five years of my life has been a radical expansion. It is like, it's been exponential. The person that I was even two years ago is by no means the person that you're talking to right now. Uh, and I think that's kind of insane because there was just this, there was this, this large chunk of college where I was like, Oh, I'm going to find myself. I'm going to be different. I'm going to do this. And then I, I really played into like the, the college narrative. Like I joined a fraternity, which is very like, you, you know, me now that is very much not on brand for, for who I am as a person now. Um, but I joined a fraternity, the AEPI Jewish fraternity, fantastic human beings. But the only connection that we had was Judaism. That was like the only real brotherhood that we had. So I wasn't really connecting with any of those people. I felt really displaced and yeah. So I, all of my interactions with, with other people, other women, like all of that was happening in these spaces and I wasn't fully comfortable. And then I'd realized that I wasn't comfortable with myself. It's really, really hard to sit there and realize like you really don't like sitting by yourself. You don't like sitting there alone, you know? Did the framework bring you back to that? Yes. Yeah. So what's beautiful about the frameworks that I actually was looking for, again, a lot of these, a lot of these like dating courses at first, um, the first one or two of them were like, okay, here's how you say this thing. And then you say a catchy line like this, and then you hook them with that. And then you do that, that none of that stuff resonated with me. So I never tried any of it. Like I like did, I just kind of threw it out, but there were other presenters within these dating courses, other, these like guest hosts and, you know, these guest speakers. And there was a couple of them that really just like resonated with me. And it was the guys who were talking about doing the deep work, doing the work on yourself and like finding that confidence and that, and that, you know, that freedom that most people are just kind of like bound into that they don't have, they don't have access to that. Can you um, just um, very briefly give a little bit of context on what the work is? Cause I know in Burbage, yes. for us, we know what the work is, right. But in a grand scheme, it sounds so like business. It, it doesn't sound like yeah. something you do within your, your own life. Yeah. So the work and, and I still, at times when people bring up that phrase, it's like weird for me because it's not, it's not really work. Um, it's, it's a lot of self-identification being able to sit there and be like, I do this because of that. And I do like, I act in this way in these certain situations. Do I like the way that I'm acting in these situations? Do I like the way that I'm showing up? Um, a lot of it is just like asking yourself questions. The, the work itself is sitting there and like waiting for the answer almost. Because something that I had realized, again, through these courses, when you ask yourself, you're a lot of these guys were one of these guys, particular Jason Capital. I, I again, I don't resonate with that stuff now, but it really got me into a better place um, to where I where I was able to make the moves that I wanted. He was talking a lot about like dominance, like and talking about like being able to um, to sit with your own self and be comfortable with yourself and to be 
uh, rooted in like your masculine energy. Uh, and I'd realized that I had a lot of feminine energy and that's how I was connecting with a lot of women, which was a great thing, but I was missing that other component. I was missing the other side of the coin. So I was sitting there and doing the deep work. Why do I, why do I show up in a more feminine aspect? Why, why, how do I show up in these certain ways that are perceived as, you know, like, oh, these, this, this person is ultra feminine. Like I just for point of reference, I've, I've been called, uh, or I've been thought to be gay by many, many people. And that's not by no means an issue for me. Like that, that's, that's fine. Believe what you want to believe, but they attributed my, my connection and my, my freedom with the feminine to be that, um, which is wrong, but that's, that's how people like not in this world, how they don't like understand that aspect of things, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally know. And that's why I wanted you to just say a few sentences in your point of view on what that looked like. But mm -hmm. I do want to say um, to you specifically, but also if people are listening to this or watching this and have been not for their femininity or been called gay, um, even though being called gay is not a insult directly um, and you can definitely not take it as one it's still the sake of like that's not my identity and I want you to see my identity so I want to just say like take that space to hold like cool yeah it doesn't bother me but I still want to be seen as this because I know what I am and my femininity is good which I know you you own that like you own everything about you and I freaking love that about you um, I just wanted to say that because that is something that like can get overlooked so easily on like Oh, it's, it's fine. It, like, I don't care. That doesn't offend me, but it mm -hmm. still is like, I see you. I, I know you and I see all of you, not just what I'm telling myself about you. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, that's, that was like a, that was a thing that I had to kind of overcome sitting there with it because it was not bothering me that someone thought I was gay. There's nothing, there was nothing inherently wrong with that. I was just like, that's just not who I, that's not who I identify as, you know? And for someone else, and again, there's a lot of these were like college kids or whatever. So they're not, they're not always in the right state of mind to like even process these, like, like, oh, we're talking about feminine and masculine. Like, I, I bet you if I go back to a handful of the people that I met in college and I have speaking this way to them, they would be really like, they, they'd be confused. They, they don't know that, that uh, masculine and feminine are in everyone and that we embody both and that we in order to actually uh, integrate and to actually come forward as your best self it's it's really combining both of them and learning where your strengths are and where you can start to like edit and to like continue working on those other pieces so um yeah like those dating courses helped me see those sides of like hey this is what i was missing so i was like okay work that muscle work this this like dominant, I need to be, um, I need to be in control of the conversation, like the whole sit upright and all that stuff, all that was like starting to kind of form. And then the beautiful thing about, about Jason Capital in particular, the, this guy, he wanted you to go outside of the course and to read books. So I'd started to read things like, um, I started to read like the levels of consciousness. I started to read um, like all these, like honestly, all these marketing books that were teaching you about communication and the different types of communication. Uh, and just basically like, hey, take this general concept and apply it to this really niche part of your life, dating. 
Uh, and that was really, really helpful for me because I got this overall view. I was like, these, this is what I wanted. These are all the things that I was looking for to begin with. I don't really care much for like, hey, step A, step B, step C, and then you're sleeping with someone. That's not what I cared for. That's not really what made me want to like get better. What made me want to get better was to sit in front of someone who I was genuinely interested in, have a deep and honest conversation with them, show up as like myself, as like my whole self. And if they were interested in me or they were attracted to me, or if I was attracted to them, I could honestly tell them that. I'd be like, hey, I'm attracted to you. I'm interested in you. Uh, let's go out for some coffee, something like that. But that none of that actually happened until I was doing all like this, this side reading. And then like the courses almost didn't matter anymore. The courses were like, all right, I'm pushing that stuff to the side. None of that, none of that really makes a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I don't need a formula uh, to communicate with someone. I need a framework of how to show up as like a, a, as an interesting human being. I love how you phrase that though. Well, I love how you phrased it, but also, and also I love that you mentioned that these books were marketing books because I've never thought of it I'm, as, as I think of dating, right. Or when I think of my marriage, like I sold myself, my husband sold himself like to, to each other, right. We had to sell each other on, okay, yes, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, with mm -hmm. our friendships. We have to say, why, why do I want to invest in you? Why do I want energy here? But as soon as you said, the marketing books, my mind went straight to, yeah, because marketing is psychology. Oh, dating is just psychology. And when you think about like, you'll get this because you know marketing, but it's so cool to me that I just pictured out the fact of like, you have dating. So like I am my high ticket offer, right? I'm, I'm not a low ticket offer. I'm not $9. I'm a very high ticket offer. And in order to do the marketing to a high ticket offer, you have to what? You have to sell the fuck out of it, build the trust and really just engage with your audience, right? So in dating, you have to sell the fuck out of yourself by showing up, like you said. And yeah. it, that comparison to me was just so profound of like, you're marketing yourself, but if you can't show up, you can't sell your product and you can't, you can't be in it. You can't be yeah. there, you can't show up for yourself. Yeah. You can't invest. And that's on, that's part of why I started to dig more into these marketing books. And it wasn't like, that's the, the funny thing about it was that I was looking into the marketing books for the psychology because the psychology books, or at least the ones at the time that I was finding were almost too, like, How too yeah, like the wording and everything didn't make sense. Like it wasn't really coming off colloquially. Like I couldn't really fully understand it. It's like, all right, we're talking about these studies and stuff, but I can't necessarily, like I have to work very, very hard to read between the lines. And with these marketing books, they really simplified it. They almost oversimplified it. Humans act in this way. We act in this way because of this part of our brain. This part of our brain is da 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 da, da. Like, so a lot of the things that, I was actually learning a lot of the deeper things that were starting to make sense to me were um, were why my reptilian brain, my like, you know, like the, the, the smallest part of your brain, the most central part of your brain, why I was acting out in certain ways, why I was afraid of going up to a, a beautiful woman out of out of nowhere that I had not actually met. And it actually it, it started to make sense back in caveman times, like when you're, when you're a caveman, you walk up to a different group of people, you run the risk of like getting murdered, especially if you walk up to the most beautiful woman in all of this, this little tiny group, you're, you run the risk of like, oh, well, that's the chieftain's wife. That's, 
that guy's gonna that guy's gonna kill you you better not talk to them you're of lower value you're not in the in crowd and all of it's like it all started to make sense like it all like i'd start to look at a bar and be like this is just a bunch of case people just just sitting around a fire and we're just we're just all here in our own tiny little groups and and are of course i'm afraid to walk up to that random group i don't know them at all i'm coming off i'm coming off cold I'm not, there's the whole in crowd bias thing was so, so important to understand. Um, and then it started to just like, it started to hit like, what, what are the things that I need to do to make myself feel more confident to walk up to a random person? Uh, and a lot of that, a lot of what I had figured out was it's the people that you bring around you. It's the people that you go to the bar with. It's the people that you go and spend your time with most of the time because the in crowd or the, the group of people that you're with, you're supposed to be having fun with them at those places. And when you're having fun with them at those places, other people see you and other people hang out with you. So they, something that we, something that we do, like when, um, when our friends get together and, you know, we're going out to the night, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to like a club or going to like a, a, a the last thing we went to, what was like a DJ set going to those DJ sets I am fully aware that we are the most fun people there every single time. And that's, that was what I've like, since, since five years ago, that's what I've been looking to build. And that's what I've been trying to find. And I, I mean, I finally found it and I'm so grateful that I found it in this group and I got to meet you and I got to meet your husband and all that stuff. It's, it's fantastic, but it was, it's kind of like making that connection. Like that's what I was looking for. <laughs> so did you do certain things? I know you did, but what are some of the things that you did to build this connection? So you went through your courses, um, they pulled you to read more books. And then you, once you realize these like masculine and feminine differences, what first, I guess, what specific things, um, if you can think of any that did you do to lean more into your masculine, masculine, but what did you do to also protect your feminine? Ooh. Ooh, that's a difficult question. Okay, I have to think about that for a second. So to, okay, so to hone my masculine, to get better at my masculine, I decided to surround myself with guys who, who were so deeply rooted into it and then just ask them questions, just be super, super curious. That's my superpower as like a human, like is, is it just, I'm, I'm so curious. I take every single conversation with, I know absolutely nothing, and I'm going to learn something from this conversation, uh, to whatever to whatever extent that actually ends up being. Like, I, anytime I'm I'm meeting someone new, I want to know like their whole entire life. I'm and and sometimes that comes off as like a little weird, like oh, this person's really asking me a lot of questions. But the people who actually want to connect with you and have those deeper conversations, they're like they're willing to give up that information. And every single person that I have talked to, especially in this friend of this group, this friend, this mm, group of friends, mm, words are hard today. We're not um, or anything. We don't do this. <laughs> don't do this for a living or anything. Uh, yeah. So like doing that, like meeting Brett, Brett, my business partner has been um, one of my two business partners is super rooted in his masculine. He's very gun ho. He's a salesman at heart. I have always been the writer like he and I the way that we've like got like get got together was that he would make the sales and he would bring in the clients and I would fulfill on the copy I would fulfill on the actual writing needs 
And we'd always keep this open communication of, well, okay, he's going out and finding all this information. And then I'm using that information to write better, write and connect more, connect better to the people that we're writing for. So that was one of the first people that I started to talk to that was like, oh, he's very rooted in his masculine. Um, and then I, I met John uh, and John Romanello was really huge for me in, in my development and like owning my masculine, but also not, um, not cutting off the feminine aspect of, of my personality because that really was how I was deeply connecting with these people. I was not coming off as a threat. Uh, and that's the downside of having too much masculine because there's always this like air of like, oh, if this guy is too masculine, like, like I, I'm off put by the, the guys who are like very aggro, who like very, who, who abide by this term of alpha male when they're not really, it's not really alpha male. And alpha male is like a leader, is someone who is like willing to like go with his people and like push them forward really what they're talking about they're this alpha male this what they're talking is toxic masculinity i was is, just gonna say anybody who ever tells me they're alpha male i automatically immediately toxic back and they don't even know what alpha male means like it's you, you negate everything you say as soon as you're like oh i'm an alpha male no you're not fuck you if you have to say you're an alpha male you're not an alpha male let's just put it that way very 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 true yeah. just like one or two examples can you give a trait or characteristic of what masculine would look like and then of what feminine would look like? Yeah, so I think uh, I think connectivity is really a feminine quality and like in, in its most and its most amazing way possible. Um, that that like curiosity, that back and forth, that like being able to sit down and like dive deep into conversation into emotions, that was my that's my most like powerful feminine quality. Uh, that I'm, I hold close to my heart. Like I, I'm never giving that up. Like that's not something that I want to ever stop doing. Uh, and I really think that the reframing masculine was a really, really big thing for me. So the act of like showing up for people and like caring and holding space, that was, that was where I started to understand where masculine really sat. Um, so instead of just pulling out and throwing out information and everything, simply just like listening and being there for someone um, and holding space, which at first was not something I understood. Like I, when someone was like, hey, like I need, like they were like, oh, you really, you hold space very well for people. I'm like, am I doing it right? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> is, is this correct? I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, <laughs> So that was, that was like a really big thing. And it was like, not, not masculine in the sense of I'm going to dominate conversation. I'm going to, um, I'm going to talk about all the great things that I have about myself, all my amazing qualities. I go to the gym. I, you know, like, this is how much I bench. None of that stuff. One, none of that stuff resonates with me, but two, it, it just talking to John and talking to all these other very, very strong masculine figures is literally the act of like being there for someone the act of just sitting there and being like I hear you tell me more that's that's how um close to how I kind of look at masculine as a whole to me masculine is a presence um femininity is still a presence in its own way but to me masculine true masculinity when it's around you know it mm -hmm. doesn't need to be broadcasted it doesn't nothing needs to be said 
it's just there. Where with femininity for me, femininity is more of the, it's the comfort of having the masculine there, you know? I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I've, I've always kind of seen the two as like, masculinity is just like a lot of structure, a lot of like building, like that's, that's when like people are like really into like building their businesses. They're very rooted in their masculine. And I think I, the way I've seen feminine is a lot more flow, a lot more the ability to like, to like turn on the dime and to like, uh, uh, what's, what's the term that I'm looking for right now to, to like adjust to, to essentially to adjust, to be able to like, whatever something throws at you, like you're be able, you're able to like, kind of like go through it and just, yeah, just flexibility. This just, it's, it's like beautiful. Like just thinking back at it, it's beautiful. It's hard to, it's hard to fully talk about and embody, but I've always seen feminine energy as like very, very strong, but a current, you know? And then like masculine energy is like a channel. So like allowing and having both of them is just like you have the channel and then allow the whole something to flow through and it becomes more targeted you become like you're more aligned you're more focused you're a lot more present because all the structure is there and everything is allowed to flow through the structure I love that that was beautiful and I can see it that was a wonderful visual of them working together in such a wonderful way that they can which is why so many couples work so well together because one is always stronger in certain aspects, right? And you can match your, okay, well, I'm a little bit weaker in my feminine, but a little bit stronger in my masculine, I can make these odds purport, a little bit more proportionate on the scale. Um, so I love that. So when you went through fulfilling your masculine and really bringing that into your life and owning it, what shifts did you see that you, like, did you ever sit back and go like, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is my masculine, I'm doing it. So I actually didn't see any of that until about last year. It was very interesting because that's when I discovered kink. And uh, I discovered that I was- okay, a, I love this, where this is conversation yeah. is going. This makes me so happy. Yes. So <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad we're already getting onto this conversation. So, uh, yeah. So I, when I discovered kink, uh, and when mostly again, through John and through like his Q and A's and like talking to him, like I actually ended up like, like he started setting me up with like, okay, here are the books you need to read. Uh, and keep in mind, there's a lot of reading involved with my journey. There is so much read like articles. Like I, I dive in head first into everything. The second that I found out like what, what level of kink that I was or like the level of kink that I was willing to start with it it flew really quickly so I I realized very very quickly I was not a master that's not it's not at all my energy whatsoever that just doesn't just doesn't do it for me sir is like okay like I could do that daddy felt right daddy felt so so right and in the way that every time that I read a different article or every time that I had gone on a Reddit feed or had gone and read a new book on, uh, on like kink and all that, all that, all the aspects of it, daddy was just like nurturing, caring, like holding space, um, like taking care of your, like taking care of your partner. All of those things were things that I felt happened in my body so naturally. Uh, it, I'm, I'm the first person to like, when someone says like they need something, I'll drop things. Like I will. And it's not, it's not always the greatest quality for when I need to get my own work done, but like, I'm, I'm very willing to do that. And I think that that's the, the relationships I've been able to build through doing that. Um, 
has created some amazing, amazing, amazing friendships. And through finding kink and then just going through all the articles, going through like, you know, like, how do I properly like paddle? How do I have the conversation before all of this stuff happens? Like that actually made me find my masculine so quickly. It was almost like the second that I had accepted that this part of me was in existence, this part that was like not socially um, stigmatized, like was very socially like stigmatized, this whole entire like, oh, BDSM is like really, really taboo and like kink is not great and like poly, like all these, like all these things that like people have been shoving in a corner. That to me, it like clicked of like, that's just naturally how I work. I've been stifled this whole time and the reason why I'm not in my masculinity, the reason why I'm not in those areas is because I haven't, I, there wasn't a space for me to, to, to grow into it. And that was like eye-opening. So then the, the first few times that I had kinky interactions with women, they, like, they, they'd said like, your eyes just did this like thing. And I was like, what does that mean? Tell me more. Like, I need to know what that means. They're like, there's just like this darkness, but like, it's like dark, but it's, it's like caring. It's like, I, I feel safe. Like it's not, it's not off-putting or anything. I don't feel like I'm in trouble. And I was just like, shit, is that masculinity? Is that, is that what this is all about? Is that what this whole thing actually comes to? And the more I kept doing it, the more I kept leaning into it. And I was just like, that's, yeah, this is it. This is, this is it for me. Cause it's not, it's not everyone's journey. And I'm not, I'm not here to like, say that like, oh, like you have to try out kink or like you have to do like, it's just for me, that was my, that was, that was how deep I needed to go in order to find this, like in order to find the root and then like, just kind of pull it from the base. And now I, yeah. Yeah, no. And just with you saying that, not saying this is where everybody has to go. Well, that just from BDSM or kink being what brought the realization to you of, wow, this is my masculine, that doesn't negate the whole rest of the journey that you had to do to get there, right? Like if you just jumped into BDSM and kink, you still, you wouldn't be working on masculine. You wouldn't have that connection. You wouldn't have that comparison. So there was still that entire journey that you played out to actually grow because this was something that you knew was important to you. And you were like, oh shit, let me figure this out. And you just continued the journey. And I love that. Do you have anything, any recommendations or maybe just motivation or inspiration that you can give for anybody who is possibly maybe interested in BDSM or kink or even not necessarily, but just really wants to build their masculine and they know it's there and they know they can lean into it, but they maybe, maybe they have toxic masculinity. They don't know how to weigh it out. Do you have any like advice for that? Yeah. So one just follow kink educators so like john would be john would be a great one there's also i i have i have a list that i start to follow now that are that are healthy male dominant presence uh presences so i i like lean on those people to kind of like see how they act outwardly and then i ask i it's just it's just being super super curious so i've picked up so many books i'm i'm staring at one of the books on my shelf it's literally the ultimate guide to kink it's this like very thick like it's this big um, easy to read though, easy, easy to get, actually dive into. And it kind of gives you the whole entire format of what everything is. Uh, my, my approach to all that is always start general and then go specific. So learn what you can about absolutely all of it. Um, and 
you know, to whatever extent that you can actually sit there and retain that knowledge and then go, okay, well, which avenue for me makes the most sense? So I knew from, from a couple of past college experience experiences, I was not submissive. I just, it, something just did like triggered me. It like didn't really do anything for me. I wasn't, I just wasn't connected with that. Um, but then I had started to like, be like, well, am I dominant? I'm not really dominant. I don't feel like that's what it is. And then it's just, it's just, just unlayering the assumptions that you have of all of these different topics that we just, from the outside, we've thrown a label on it. And it's so easy to do that because our brain needs to compartmentalize things. We have to put things in buckets to make sense of them. I decided to unpack those buckets and go, okay, well, let me reorganize. Let me do some reorganization in my brain. So it's, uh, John, honestly, John's Amazon list. I'll, I'll, I'll throw that to you and like, you can like put that wherever, uh, wherever you need. Um, but that, that is a, say it again. I said, I got it. We're good. I'll link all this. Oh yeah. So like that, that was a huge, huge first step because it wasn't like the books weren't at first, like, here's how to paddle someone. Like, here's how to be the perfect top. Like, no, they, they start with the very basic understanding. Like the first book that you see there is um, um, Existential Kink, which is by no means actually a book about kink. It's all about understanding your dark side and understanding that like with light, there is dark. You have to have both. So with masculine, there is feminine and like there is, there is two sides to every coin. And once you accept that you have both of these sides of you, once you accept that there is this like side of you that kind of likes maybe not physical pain, but like pain in some context, like whether it be like emotional or like when you're like, like a lot of, uh, a lot of the examples were, uh, I, I don't remember what the, particularly what the writer was saying, but I believe she's a, she's like a person of color um, or like a marginalized um in a marginalized community. And she was talking about how as a woman, she was also like, there was like the pay gap on top of her being a person of color. And she was always attending these like protests for like, um, for like uh, to like push down wall street and like all, all these things of like, just like people who are being marginalized, she's like fighting for them. And then she really dug down into it. And she was like, I actually like like, not like I like being poor and marginalized. That wasn't actually what she was saying, but a piece of her subconscious, a part of her brain was like, there is some value in this. So I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue doing things, sitting in the same patterns in order to receive this because I'm getting something out of it. There's, there's pleasure. There's pleasure in our core essence of these things. And it can, it's not just being poor, being marginalized or being the weaker link. Like, they can be so many different things for everybody. But when you actually, I've read um, The Existential Kink mm. and I love it. But yeah, it's when you actually dive into who you are and how you actually act. And instead of hating how you act and obviously if there's growth to be made, make it. But instead of just hating your core essence, actually leaning into it and going, why am I like this? Cause I'm like this for a certain way. So what pleasure am I getting out of this? And then how do I add that to my life in a healthy balance? Yeah. And that was, that was the big thing that I'm not even done reading it and I'm already still getting all of this stuff from it. So it's, it's crazy that like, you know, you have to, like, I'm maybe halfway through the book and already I feel like, I mean, I don't have the whole entire picture, but 
there's like a great relief kind of taken off of my shoulders at this point where now, like when I meditate, like I actually like when I close my eyes, like I see the dark me, like I see this, like this very, very dark and like just, just absence of light version of me. And most of my meditation now, when I sit down to do it is like integrating that, accepting it, allowing that to exist and being like, I'm okay with this. I like this in some way. I may not like the, the bad things that happened to me, uh, but all of that is context, you know? Bad is context. It's bad, it's bad for me because it makes me feel this way. Well, yeah, because we put a label on that. We've, we've labeled that feeling as bad. And because of that, it, it puts our brains into this like little bit of a spiral. And then that's when more bad things continue to happen. That's like, for me, it's like the rule of three is like, we're like, there's a lot of the times like three people die, like, like three famous people will die around the same time. That's like the rule of three. Oh, one person died. Oh, that's horrible. It's really terrible. Da, da, da. And then the next person then it's like, oh my God, this is a tragedy. Two people. Oh my God, like who's next? And the third person, you're like, I can't even believe it. This is ridiculous. So many people are dying. Da, da, da. Like that, that's kind of how it goes. If like, if we want to take a very, very basic example and, uh, and, and put that into that, but like, it's accepting the other side allowing the other side to grow as much as the light side of you is growing is probably the most beneficial thing I've done for like my own mental health. Well, that's, that's the work of truly not only accepting, but becoming your authentic self to be able to actually accept your authentic self, not just your authentic self that you are showing up for your friends for, or your authentic self for your family or your authentic self for your social media presence, which obviously is not your true authentic self, but on the same hand, I personally, with all the psychology and sociology that I know, I believe that you are only your authentic self when you are completely alone. Um, so even if I am doing my best to show up as authentically as I can around my friends, my friends are still going to put their energy on me, right? So like if everybody's in a good time, if something happened to me that morning, I'm not going to bring my authentic self in that moment. Because, because why would I, you know, like there's a presence here that needs to be maintained and stuff like that. So yeah, I just wanted to add that in. Yeah, no, that's, that's like a great point. It's, I, I also very much feed off the energy of like the room. Um, actually, let me turn on this light right now, just to, just to get a little, a little more light in there. Uh, right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've noticed that I, I take on the energy of the room and that's like, a very that like a lot of the times that's like very beneficial for me so it's it's hard and especially now like I live I live alone in New York City um I've learned like too much almost about being alone and being by myself and what I actually think about myself the opinions that I actually have about myself because you sit there and you're like well there's no other feedback going on there's nothing else no other stimuli happening right now what's going on that I'm constantly in this loop, I'm feeling X way. So like when I have like bad moods, they last longer, they really do. Um, and that's not testament, that's not saying that like I just get in a bad mood easier now. It's like I get into a mood uh, and it's, I'm allowing myself to feel it fully. You know, I'm allowing it to, to just kind of pass through. And sometimes that ends up being like, all right, well, like I'm kind of out of commission for a day, but I'd rather be out of commission for a day than 
the next two, three weeks where I actually have to meet people and, and be a human being, hold on to the pain of just like, of like what I was doing when I was alone. And I'm just like holding it down. And it's almost like you're holding a secret from everyone. And that, that really just kind of like creates a lot of outbursts. Like I've, I've, I've had plenty of outbursts, uh, unfortunately, Brett being on the receiving end of them. Um, and uh, just realizing like, oh no, I was like holding that in for like way too long. And because of that, someone else had to suffer. And that's not cool. You know, like you can't, you can't sit there and, and, and try to preach being a good person and then say like, you know, all the personal development things are helping and then like turn around and not do the work and then outlet, like lash out on someone. So like, I've been getting better at that, which is, I, I'm grateful for, but it's, it's a whole process that it's like, you, you don't really sit there and think about it until you have the time to think about it. You don't think about it. And it's something, it's, it's such a process, but it's such a powerful realization for you. Um, mm -hmm. And something that I can definitely have mirrored back to me because it is not easy to work on. Right. And even as we, even in our friend group, like we might be, not be personal development specialists, but we are very big in it. Like we, we know the work, we know what's holding spaces, how to do it, how to say no when I don't have the space to hold. Um, so we know the fundamentals of it, but then bringing it into your everyday life is still such a challenge because there are still bad mental health days or there are still, there are still, I, I don't have the time to actually sit with this and think about it. So it gets stacked and it's, it's hard work. So I commend you for doing the work because it is hard as shit. Yeah. It's, and I, I, like, I, I couldn't agree with you more that it's just, it's, it's almost like a luxury sometimes. Like there are people out there who like, just don't get to, don't get the, the luxury of seeing their dark side or seeing that other side of them or getting to work on those things. Um, like just generationally, like I know my, like my grandparents moved from Morocco to Israel when they were like 12, like no money in their pockets. Like just like the, the, the state of Israel was created at that time. And they were just like, we need to leave Morocco because it's not safe here. We have to go to a place where we feel safe. My grandmother worked on a kibbutz. My grandfather, you know, like worked forever. Like they, they started working on a farm. My dad was born, like their family, like they were just trying to make ends meet. Like they didn't get to have these deep conversations. And then my father, you know, he becomes an, you know, moves to the United States, becomes an immigrant. And he's like, you know, infatuated with the American dream. And all he can think of is how do I make enough money? So my family is secure and I get to reap the benefits of that. You know, like I, I, I get to be the one who gets to sit here and work with my traumas throughout life and to work through the pain that I've carried throughout the years and, and all these, these patterns that, that have been accumulated over time, I get to unwrite them. That, that is like a gift. That's a gift in itself. And it's hard to, um, I, I can see how it's hard for like other people to just be like, well, I, I just, I, you get to do that. And it's like, yeah, I get to do that. I, I also make time for it. You know, um, it's not always the, the most fun uh, to just like sit there with your feeling. Like, I don't generally like meditating to be completely honest with you right now. I just, I do it every single day because I need to, I go to the gym because I need to, but in those moments, I actually get to sit with my thoughts and I get to, analyze and I get to 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 deconstruct things and move things around and 
that while difficult, while I don't always leave those uh, moments with like the happiest face, I, I'm always grateful for them because I, I get to actually sit there and do that. Cause I know that I have the power to make the change, to make the difference. I love that. I love, I love the idea of breaking generational curse, generational curses. Um, it's something that I actively try to do in various ways in my life, mm-hmm. but it's still again, something that's like, it's time, right? Like you can't, none of these changes happen in a month. None of them happen in a year. None of them happen really throughout your entire life. You just do the best you can and show up the best way you can at any given time and make it work out. And one of the biggest tips I can give about meditation, because I too, I do not like meditation. And this tip is not necessarily for you. It's for anybody listening who might struggle with meditation is when I started meditating, I had this idea that it had to be, it had to be meditation. And I say that it had to be whatever definition I knew of meditation. So it looked like sitting with a prompt and then sitting for a certain amount of time just by yourself. And I didn't have context on what actually meditation was. I didn't understand that like me sitting there, I did understand that me sitting there with my mind going crazy, wasn't doing anything, but I was like, this is meditation. I'm sitting with myself, like what the fuck? And then when I started actually working around personal development and psychology and sociology and kind of leaned into more spiritual sides of things, I started adding in meditation in my own way. So when I first started, my meditation was I had prompts sometimes if I was like going through a daily journal and I felt up to it. But a lot of mornings, I don't, I might not feel up to it to actually sit down and read a page of meditation. And so I would literally just set my timer and lay in bed and tell myself when it like, meditate and my thoughts would go somewhere else meditate my thoughts would go somewhere else meditate and it took doing that literally for days for a minute on top of a minute each time and just pushing bringing my mind back to where now in probably two or three years of not consistent meditation but a meditational journey I can after all of that work I can maybe sit down for five minutes and bring my only have to bring myself back like five times like I'm still not to that point where it's like meditating can just be done. And so I just want to provide the encouragement to you too, but to anybody else of just like, it's not always fun. And sometimes, especially if I'm in a hurry or I have a lot to do, it's like, there are so many other things I could be doing right now than sitting here meditating. But when you know the benefits of it and you understand like, but this is for me, this is not for, this is how I do everything else today. This is how I can do everything else in two days or next year. Like, putting in the work is just setting your foundation over and over and over and over again until eventually that foundation is set. And when something hits it, you might shake, but you realize it's not broken. And then you look back and go, wow, I'm really glad I did all the stuff that just wasn't that fun because I can actually make it through this. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's very powerful. I, I still, I still very much struggle with meditation. Um, There's actually a client that we were working with uh, and they were a, like a meditation retreat company. So like they had courses, but they also, the big part of what they were doing was like, you would sign up to go to like Bali and then you'd for like 11 days, you're sitting there for about eight hours a day meditating, like just nonstop. Like every, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. And it's crazy because in that, in that context, you can go away 
for 10 days, 11 days, you've set across, you set that time down to sit there and do the meditation. Like you've paid for it. You've paid for the retreat. You're going to sit there and meditate <laughs> no matter what happens. It's like, you're, it's, it's yeah, the money is gone. It's either I leave and I don't do anything with it. And I waste all that money or I get something out of this. So some people actually need that, that push. Um, and it's hard to bring something like that all the time back into your reality, into your daily practice. Um, and that was kind of what was coming up for me while I was writing this sales page for them. And I just like kept digging into the course and looking into like the way that they were talking about it. And I think the, the biggest takeaway was simply just like allowing to like look inward and focus. Like it's, it is literally a practice. It is like the way you practice anything else, the way that Kobe takes a, a thousand shots before like 5 a.m. before like the facility is even technically open or whatever the case may be like that's that's doing it that's doing the work that's sitting there and just like doing it over and over again you sitting there reminding yourself meditate 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 that's you taking that's you taking the layup every single time and soon enough that will that just that evolves it becomes all right now it's one minute now it's every two minutes now it's every three minutes now it's every four minutes now it's every five minutes and like that's I also, I just want to be realistic about it too, because like, just my thing is like, I'm not going to sit here and meditate absolutely every single day, but if I can find the discipline most days to, to sit down for 10 minutes on the meditation pillow that I bought. So I, I might, I have to sit down on it. It has to, there's no, yeah, I, I made, I made it a rule. I have a meditation pillow in the room. It has to be used. So <laughs> the act of just doing it and knowing that, Hey, I did 10 minutes today. And the fact that I didn't do it yesterday is okay. That is enough like for me to just be, to continue going forward. Cause a lot of the times we shame ourselves when we don't do the thing and that's going to stop you from doing the thing even more. I love that point. And a quick reframe for you or me or anybody who is listening to this thinking like, wow, 10 minutes is a lot, or I can't, I can't do it every day. I don't meditate every day either. Um, nope, no, thank you. But any time that you can find to put in the work is better than not putting in the work at all. So yeah. instead of sitting there thinking like, I don't want to meditate today. One, there's so many other things you can do for yourself too. Like meditation is not the only growth for you, uh, which I know you know that, but I don't want to do it today or I don't have 10 minutes to do this. Even just sitting and saying, you know what? I'm going to set my timer for 60 seconds and I'm just going to sit and I'm just going to be in silence and be with myself. I will allow any thoughts to come up. I will allow anything to go on in my head. I'm not even going to focus on meditating. I'm just going to sit with myself. It, you'll start getting eased more into the process of like, that actually kind of, sometimes it won't feel good, but sometimes like it ends up and you're like, oh, I feel good. I feel the, like Amanda says about femininity, the, the breath of fresh, the breath of air. Um, mm -hmm. the, no, the release of the inhale at the very pit of the exhale I fucked all of that up but at the pit of the exhale <laughs> I know what you're talking about though oh, I knew what I was talking about too but it makes <laughs> sense um but no I loved that and I I freaking love you thank you so much for coming on I know I know you're pressed for time and I have one quick question for you sure um but thank you so much for your story and we can do this whenever you want to do this because I will can talk so much longer to you about so much more so um I'm still down. 
well, we can literally plan it after this. Whenever yeah, let's do it. We'll just plan it and set it in our schedule and be done with it. But no, so, it is on the recording. We are scheduling another one. It is on the recording. It, we have to now. We actually have to. Uh, we did the thing. We did the thing. So you talked about a sales page and clients and stuff. So I just want to ask a question about that and give a little bit of context. So Yogi is a freaking master copywriter. He is somebody that I look up to and I would go to regularly for advice. I just did like last week, I think it was. That feels so long ago. But yeah, just last yeah. week. Um, he's a master copywriter, huge in his industry and very, very freaking successful. So I, as am, as I transition more into talking to freelance writers and copywriters and stuff like that, I just want to hold space and open up the opportunity for anybody listening to be a copywriter um, or be intrigued about the journey to be a copywriter. So uh, what is one piece of advice that you would give somebody who is starting out or interested in starting out in your career? Consume everything, honestly. Consume everything that you possibly can. Um, some of some of the copywriting stuff out there is total bullshit. Some of it's a little too. I don't want to. I don't want to call out these people, but I'm going to call out these people. Some of it's too bro marketing. Um, and that's, and that's okay. Like that, like what happens for what? Okay. Let me, let me pull this back around. This is the actual lesson that, that is, that you're going to get. So yes, consume everything, but context is everything. Context, always be questioning and always be wondering who is this for? Who is this targeted to? Who is it supposed to speak to? And if I'm going to sit into that person, if I'm going to, if I'm going to work out that avatar. So, you know, let, let's take bro marketers for, for a reason. Those guys are very, very punchy. They're, they're really, really heavy on the pain. The value that you get is like, you know, you're going to make a lot of money. You're going to go and like, uh, you're going to buy all these amazing cars. All these beautiful women are going to all of a sudden be attracted to you because you have money and you're a man of power, blah, 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 all that, all that BS. And, and I, I do personally believe it is BS, but personal opinions aside, who are those guys targeting? Those guys are mostly targeting the college dudes outside, like who are just leaving college and trying to, to start something for themselves. They have this, they're holding on to this masculinity of I need to build something. And it's incredibly attractive to be a 20 something year old and then watch someone say, hey, you can get a Lamborghini, you can get all this money, you can get all these people surrounding you and loving you and having like, all, like fulfilling all of these things that dudes at these times, guys at these times are perceiving as the dream life. And that's the dream life for them. That's what they want. That's what they think. Now, five years from now, they'll, they'll probably have a different view on things. Some of them, maybe not. Some of them will probably continue on with that route. But the, the point is that who you're talking to and how you're talking to them is so, so, so important that a lot of people get stuck, especially copywriters, especially people who are uh, coming in to write copy for someone else, they get stuck on this idea of like, I want to attract as many people as humanly possible. And that is like the easiest way to shoot yourself in the foot. It's just so simple to just like mess up that way. And by mess up, I mean like, you're just gonna touch on a couple of pain points and then maybe they'll make the sale, maybe it won't. Like, it's all about connectivity. It's all about, like, honestly, it's like context and connectivity. So if you can pull out from any different marketing piece that you're reading, 
or any different person who's any different coach or consultant who's teaching you about copywriting or marketing or all those things, remember who their audience is. Be curious about who they're talking to. Because once you figure that out, it starts to all make sense as to why they're talking in this way and why they're teaching in this way. And while that may not be beneficial for you as like, oh, that doesn't resonate with me, it's beneficial understanding how these people pivot. That was, that was great. That was beautiful. That was, I would, I would drop the mic, but it kind of can't drop. So an amazing tip that like is definitely going to go on Instagram because that is freaking valuable. And if anybody listens to this or watches this and is interested in copywriting or is a copywriter, freaking take that, take that and run with it because yes, consume everything, but context is always the world of difference of just consumption. So Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I'm back to close us out. If you want to find Yogi, you can find him on Instagram at yogev.almog. That is Y-O-G-E-V dot A-L-M-O-G. If you have any questions, you can ask him and we can come back on and answer them or you can ask him directly and we will he will answer you as best as he can. Of course, if there's anything you want explained a little bit further, don't forget to let me know. And as always, please, please, please leave me a review if you enjoyed this episode so that we can reach more people, show them support on their journeys, and help them also become less shitty and find their best. I hope you have a wonderful day. And if you haven't taken care of yourself today, do something to show yourself that you are truly in love with who you are, whether that is gratitude, maybe drinking some water, or even taking a shower and putting on new clothes. Because as always, you are the most important character of your story. We need you to take care of yourself because we need you here. Love ya. Talk soon.